Hello, and welcome to the Essentials of Faith program. Have you ever noticed how some people complicate even the simplest Bible teachings as though God's hiding something from us? Maybe you've been frustrated in your search for meaning in life. I have great news. God knows just what you need, and you did not find this program by happenstance. We will unpack essential truths from Scripture that will change your life forever. What's more, you will discover a new and vibrant experience with God. I hope you're ready. And now, here's your host, author, speaker, L. David Harris. Peace and blessings, listening friends. We know that you could have chosen to spend your time doing any one of a number of things, but we are excited that you have chosen instead to invest some of it with us. This is L. David Harris, your host, and I am delighted to be able to share with you one more time. And today we are finishing our uh, series, our two-part series, which we do every week, two parts, whatever we're talking about, under the title, Baptized into Adversity and Victory, Part 2. And today we're coming from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. And of course, we're only scratching the surface. This is not a full-on Bible study. We do conduct those, but it's for you. It's a primer for us to get a taste, a glimpse of God, uh, if you will. So let's go ahead and begin with prayer. Father in heaven, you have given us your word, and I pray that we will learn to live it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Yes, so we'll begin reading at verse 1 of Matthew, excuse me, chapter 4. Sometimes I get a little bit excited and my words don't come out right. Made a bunch of those kind of boo-boos yesterday, excuse me. And the Bible reads in verse 1, Matthew chapter 4, I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now the Bible is clear that at the appropriate time, after Jesus fulfilled all righteousness through baptism, experiencing the blessing of the Father's approval, we talked about that yesterday. You can be approved. You can be approved of God. You can please God, signifying our deliverance from sin. Then He was led through the trials and temptations. Satan fires at those who love God. Now, notice here that first God empowers us through baptism of the water and the spirit, thereby delivering us from bondage to the devil. Have you ever been bound to the devil? Mm-hmm. Then we are equipped with his full armor to enter the major tests of this life. We talked about the armor of God the other week. First, we are delivered from spiritual slavery and equipped for the battle. Then we can actually be obedient to all God commands. Sometimes people get the cart and the horse out of priority. First, we're delivered, then we're able to do what God says. Verse 2, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, that's amazing to me. The most I've done is 21 days. I feel like I could have gone to, I think it was 23 days. I probably could have gone to about 25 days. No big deal, I should say. But I don't know about much more than that. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, do you notice this, that the devil came to him after he was hungry? He waits until you're weak and then starts firing shots at you? Uh-huh. Okay, well, anyway, the tempter came to him and said, if thou be the son of God, he's insinuating doubt. Jesus just heard his father say, 
I am your, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But now he's insinuating doubt. Command that these stones be made bread. Then he answered and said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Remember, Job said that he esteemed the words of God's lips more than his necessary food. But in order to overcome the devil, Jesus goes here through his submission and then begins with the it is written. Whenever the devil insinuates doubts or challenges the words of God in your life, the Bible, the Bible is your fortress. Hide God's word in your heart, the psalmist said, that you may not sin against him. Mm -hmm. Verse 5, then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of a temple. Let me just say here, Jesus appeals to the holy word. And so the devil says, all right, you want to appeal to the holy word? I'm going to take you to the holy city and I'm going to take you to the holy temple and see what happens in verse six here. And saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, still insinuating doubt, cast thyself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and in their hands, they shall bear thee up lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. So the devil takes Jesus to the holy city, to the pinnacle of the holy temple, misuses the holy word that Jesus had just quoted. Mm -hmm. And then he tells Jesus to do something unholy, cast yourself down so that he can manifest that he is the son of God. You see what I'm saying? Like the devil often tries to get people to demonstrate that they're holy by doing presumptuous, unholy stuff. You don't prove that you're holy. You don't do that. You don't try to show people, look at me, I'm holy. No, especially not to, to, to do what the devil said. Let's keep going. Verse seven, Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And of course, this is a dual meaning because uh, we don't tempt the Lord, our father, by doing uh, presumptuous stuff and then expecting that he's going to protect us. We know that we're putting ourselves into spiritual danger and then we expect God to protect us. So don't be presumptuous. Don't tempt the Lord, your God. But then we can see here, Jesus, could it be that Jesus was saying that he is the Lord, Jesus Christ, God the son, and that the devil should not tempt him too? Is it possible that he could have been talking about that? Hmm? Something to think about. Verse 8, and again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. The account in uh, Luke chapter, what is it, 4, says that he showed, the devil showed him all of that in a moment of time. So the devil has the ability to do some supernatural stuff and to cause us sometimes to see a whole lot of things that in our natural eyesight we might not see. I think uh, it was the witch at Endor, uh, the Bible says, when uh, uh, King Saul went there against God's will, uh, he said, what are you seeing? And then the witch at Endor said that I see uh, Samuel coming up and blah, blah, blah. Well, of course, we know that didn't happen. It was deception. So the devil causes people to see certain things, but we have the opportunity to accept the vision of what he's saying or showing or resorting to God. And in this case, of course, Jesus was perfectly obedient all the time and always resorting to his father. 
Verse 9, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee. That should cause you to wonder. If thou wilt fall down and worship me. So see, the devil is after worship. He's always been after worship. Now, the Bible says that he, uh, when he was in heaven as Lucifer, the Bible says that he said that he would be like the Most High. He will ascend. He will be like the Most High. He's always been after worship. He's always been. And he even tried to get Jesus when he was hungry after 40 days and 40 nights of, of fasting to fall down and worship the devil. Well, the devil's always trying to give what's not his. Earthly riches are transitory if the devil gives them to you. So don't make a deal with the devil. No. If God gives those earthly riches, eternal riches come with them in the package. Okay? So it's not a problem to be rich. But the devil is trying to get Jesus to compromise to be rich. Are you compromising to get the money that only uh, burns up at the end of time? And will probably, as quickly as it comes into our hands, go away even in this life if we don't surrender our will to God. Eventually, it will uh, expire, if you want to say. Think about it. Are you selling your, your family down the river for money? Are you selling your own life down the river for riches? Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil or all kinds of evil. The love of money, that is. But again, God can give us riches like he gave Solomon. The wise man said, uh, I think he said something like um, uh, money answereth all things. So we need money. We need it. But we are to be liberal, according to uh, Proverbs chapter 11. Verse 25, the liberal soul prospereth. So we, we receive it from God. He's the one who gives us the power to get wealth. And then we give as much as God shows us to give so that we can be of service to others. And then we store up treasures in heaven. All right. He wanted Jesus to exchange our eternal reward for his temporal gain. Did you hear that? He wanted Jesus to exchange our eternal reward for his temporal gain. If Jesus had done that, if he had taken whatever the devil was, was offering, in quotes, we would have been lost. But of course, Jesus was not willing to do that. He had surrendered his all to the Father. Verse 10, Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. There's that again. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, only in him alone shalt thou serve. The devil is being put on notice. And then uh, the Bible says that the devil leaveth him. I will say, though, that again, in the, the um, account in Luke, uh, you know, it was, it, was, <laughs> it was serious. Look at it in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, the same account in Luke chapter 4. And the devil had to go. He had to go. And so the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. And so the Bible teaches us that when we submit ourselves to the Lord, then we can resist the devil. Some of us try to resist the devil in our own strength because we talk about, you know, holy stuff. But the Bible teaches us to, re to submit ourselves, therefore, unto God first, and then we can resist the devil and he will flee. That's what the Bible says here. Then the devil leaveth him and the holy angels came and ministered unto him. And of Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, if I'm going too fast, you can always rewind. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, the Bible says, and uh, for 
We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Did you get that? Isn't that a blessing? Yet without sin? Amen. And so Jesus never sinned. He is acquainted, well acquainted with the feelings of our infirmities. He was tempted in every way that we can be tempted, and he did not sin. And so this is what Jesus is giving to us. He's bequeathing to us. He is giving as our inheritance in a sense. He's giving us victory as an inheritance so that we can please God. And then he can teach us how to actually behave in the way that he has given us. He's given us holiness, and now we can behave through that power holy. We can learn how to do what Jesus is. Mm -hmm. Jesus is holy. We can learn how to behave and live as holy. The father said, uh, be holy for I am holy. Okay, so he overcame all points of sin for us. Well, how do we know? Bible said it in Hebrews 4 and verse 15, but what do all points of sin look like? The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Verse 17, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And again, if you go to that account, this same account of, of, of the temptations of Christ in uh, Luke, then you will see that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are in order. These temptations are in a different order in Luke chapter 4. And so the lust of the flesh in this uh, context would be to satisfy our flesh in a way that God would not have us at the moment. That was to turn uh, the stones into bread. Are you getting my point? The pride of life. Well, what would we do? Throw yourself down? The pride of life? Are you serious? Presumptuous living? That's the pride of life. And then, of course, uh, uh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of the life, lust of the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life are all covered there. So you understand. So now, by faith in Him, we can be overcomers. You don't have to satisfy the lust of the flesh. You don't have to satisfy the lust of the eyes to seek riches in a way that God would not sanction. And you don't have to have the pride of life when Christ is your guide. Thanks for joining us, listening friends. Always remember, the revelation of God's Word gives light. It provides understanding to the simple. Until next time, be at peace.